Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day, this Father's Day, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Greetings. You know, we don't really follow the Hallmark calendar at our church. We try to follow the liturgical calendar. But, you know, at our church, every Lord's Day is what? Father's Day, because we're gathered together to be with Him. Amen? Now... The world, they're not gathering together today for remembering our Father in heaven. In fact, they want to do anything they can to forget him, to erase out the fact that he's around and that they are accountable to him for anything, right? They hate him. Jesus talked about this. That's actually what we're going to talk about today in church, is that the world hates God. Now, when God is in general, they're okay with it almost. They're kind of okay. You know, you can say God, right? But when you say Jesus, you've just turned up the hate, hate-o-meter, right? Remember we used to have the crazy-o-meter, or what was that that we had? The freak-o-meter, or whatever it was in our early church, when people would freak out about things that you guys would do. You guys might remember this. What happened when, when you did this, or oh, our family completely freaked out when they found out that we did this, or we did that? You guys remember that? Well, the hate, the hate meter goes up. When you, when you go from talking about your faith in God to your faith in Jesus, the hate meter goes up exponentially because it's a very particular manifestation of God, right? And so they know you're not just saying God is in like whatever God you want, but in the God of the Bible and in Jesus Christ. And if they hated him which is what we're going to talk about today, who are they also going to hate? They're going to hate you. And that's what Jesus talked about. Today, I'm going to talk about hate weeds. Everybody say hate weeds. Hate. Last week, it was love vines. This week, it's hate weeds. All right. Now, Psalm 1 talked about these hate weeds. He said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
He shall be like a tree. See, we're not, we're not hate weeds. We're like what? We're like trees. Trees of righteousness. Trees of life, right? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. Everybody say not so. Steve Lawson, when he was doing his expositional teaching at that conference I went to recently, he said, if you were going to write it maybe a little closer to the way we would say it, is you would say all this good about the godly and about the righteous, and then you would go. But the ungodly, not so. Not so what? He's not like a tree. Not so. He's not going to bear fruit in his season. Not so. He doesn't dwell by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit. Not so the ungodly. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And what is that? But something useless like a weed. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Everybody say, hate weeds will perish. Let us pray. Lord, it's an amazing thing that all of us fatherless children standing here today can call you Father. Lord, we're not merely your servants, but we're your sons and your daughters. And no matter what kind of upbringing we've had in the world or what history that comes before us, when we were made new in you, we became part of a generation that declares Jesus Christ the image of God in the world. We are that generation declaring the truth of the holiness of God. Lord, today we come in your presence feeling like we really don't belong, but you remind us that we do because you've called us, you've chosen us, you've adopted us. Lord, we're your children today. And Lord, what a, an amazing and wonderful thing to be heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Lord, we pray as we come in your presence that we would remember this is who we are. We would remember who you have made us and who we're not anymore. That we would remember this and we would find our value in that and not in what the world thinks of us or our biological family thinks of us, but what you think of us. Lord, let this be our standard. Let this be our heart's cry. Help us today, Lord, as we come in your presence. Forgive our sins. Feed us from heaven. Change us so that we might go out and do the things that your word has commanded us and teach others to do the same. In Christ's name we pray. And Foundation Church said... Remain standing for just a, a few more moments as I read my text for you from the book of John, chapter 15, starting in verse 18. As I told you before, my sermon is called Hate Weeds. All right? Text is John 15, 18 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me 
before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's a good reason to be hated. Amen? Remember the word of the Lord that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Let us pray. Lord God, we come before you longing to hear from your word. We know that each week you speak to us, Lord. You don't, we're not just merely getting together and, and dissecting or getting information about you or your word, but you're speaking to us. Lord, help us to hear what you would have said to us today. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. You may be seated. Now last week you remember my sermon, maybe some of you do, I haven't forgotten it, uh, Jonathan, did you get a chance to hear it, listen to it, it was especially for you, uh, if you and Ashley could listen to it, if you could have listened to it before today it would have been way better, uh, but if you, but I talked about that God has ordained that we be love vines, right? And if we are to be love vines, then they, the unbelievers, they are hate weeds. Everybody say, hate weeds. Today we're going to talk about hate weeds. Now working on this this week and talking to some elders from the village church, I kind of made a little joke, Steve, you might like. I said, you might be reformed if your Sunday sermon is hate weeds, right? Uh, this is not probably going to be uh, one of the most downloaded sermons on our website. I don't know if anybody's ever downloaded any, but if, if anybody did download it, I don't think this is going to be the one like, I want to hear a good sermon, you know, and they scroll through, the, oh, love vines, that'll be nice. I'll, that may get a lot of clicks, but hate weeds is probably going to probably go unheard uh, by most people. So you, you're going to hear it today. Now... <clears throat> As Christians, though, we need to be thinking about, and as a pastor and a teacher, I need to be teaching you about everything Jesus taught. So we don't always get to hear about love vines, right? In John 15, Jesus talked much, as much about the hate weeds as he did about you love vines. So I'm going to follow his lead by doing the same thing. And when I started to go through this, Luke, I started to see God speaking to me and to you. Now last week I did something, maybe I guess I'm going to start doing, because we've got a lot of screamers today. Uh, screamers, and we got a lot of heat, and you know, maybe people's eyes are going to roll back in their heads, and they're going to get sleepy. I don't know. But if you're going to hear anything I have to say today, you need to understand that you are going to be hated if you are like Jesus. This should not be a surprise to you. They hate you, and they love to try to get you to do things uh, or to quit doing things that you're doing. And if they can, they will. And I really think God has said to us, and I'm going to just tell you right up front, everybody, everybody listen, and this, you can only listen to two-minute sermon you all can listen to. If the changes that you have made in your life, if the changes that I have made in my life since I've been a Christian, if they've happened because we just don't like being hated, that we've scaled it back a little bit, then probably those changes aren't good changes. 
But if the changes we've made, we've realized we've been too radical and we've been too unloving and kind and we scaled those back. Those were probably good scale backs. But if you just are kind of tired of being hated and you just like to be seen as a normal person and you just don't want to stir them up and make them hate you, if you're making changes because of that, you probably made the wrong changes. Okay? All right, now you can go to sleep. You can beat your kids. You can do whatever it is you need to do. And you've heard it all from me. But now, as we go through this, I really think that if you listen, you're going to hear even more than what I just said. Okay. Now, you beautiful people, the elect people of God, are to pray that God makes you love vines, right? Abide in Him. Talk to Him. Commune with Him. Rest in Him. Lead your families to do the same. And God's true love will grow in you. Many times I think we've, had, we've really tried to learn how to be loving rather than loving God and letting Him making us loving. Amen? And that's what we need to go away from. Quit trying to be so righteous. Quit trying to be so good. Quit, trying to be, quit being angry with your children for not being good and tell them you're not good because you need Jesus. Go to Him in prayer. Pray for your children. Love them. Be as merciful as to your children as God is to you. Abide in Him. Talk to Him. Commune with Him. Rest in Him. Lead your families to do the same. And God's true love will grow in you. You will be His vineyard full of love vines. And from you will grow first love. And foremost after that you will grow joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith. How many would rather have it grow from you and come out of you naturally than having to teach someone how to be joyful? Okay, everybody smile. Be joyful. Okay, I know you feel like the world's coming to an end, but okay, everyone put a peaceful thought on. You know? Sounds like a Joe Olstein book, right? Be happy. The whole world's falling apart around you, but it's okay. Right? You've got to have peace. And so, we're not, that's not what we want to do. The peace of God that passes understanding is in our heart and it comes out. And we don't need to be told to be that. We just have that. I'd rather have it than be told to be peaceful. Amen? Amen. All the telling isn't going to get anything done anyway. Temperance, goodness, long-suffering, all the gifts of the Spirit, they're all going to grow. You were made to be love guides. Love guides in God the great gardener. He tends you. He prunes you. That's not even your job. He does this if you are in His church, His body, the kingdom of God, which is, of course, the kingdom of heaven come to earth. Now you are love vines, but if you are love vines, then they, I mean those that are outside the church, those unbelievers, unregenerate sinners, unless changed by the grace of God through faith, they are little more than hate weeds. Love vines and hate weeds are quite a contrast, right? And it's a kind of an ugly sort of a thing. You can see a beautiful vineyard and you see it flourishing in its greenness and with its fruit hanging off of it. And over on the side are these weeds that are going, if I could just choke out anything, if I could just get in the way, if I could block some sunlight, that's what they're there for. They're there to stop you from doing what God has ordained that you're going to do. Now this is one of the primary doctrines of the Bible we call antithesis. Everybody say antithesis. This is the doctrine of the us and the them. Now there's no other category for mankind. As Jesus put it in Matthew 12 30, 
He who is not with me is what? Is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scatters abroad. Everybody say, there's no third category. You're either with him or you're against him. You're either helping to gather or you're scattering. And this is the antithesis. And this is kind of hard for us because we like to think that then there are those people, those other people that really aren't causing a lot of problems. But the Bible says that they're hate weeds. When you talk to them, when you share your faith with them, it won't matter how good your arguments are. It won't matter how strong you show your faith or how able you are in your spiritual giftings. Those who have not been changed by God will hate you. They will not understand you. They will not see your work as noble, even if it is. It's, it's kind of like, and, and this really happened from a discussion that we had with Rebecca. Rebecca, I'm very thankful for my children. And I'm thankful that my children will come in our room. If you, don't, if you don't have this practice, I would encourage you to encourage your kids. But our kids come in our room, and they stand at the end of our bed, and they go, all right, I don't understand something, and I need to talk about this. And a lot of times we're tired, and we really don't want to talk about it. And we're just kind of like going, yeah, that's fine. You know, there's a lot of things in life you don't understand. So it's, you know, it is midnight, and we are really tired. And, you know, we want to watch the midwife show or whatever it is, you know. I've never watched the Midnight Show, but anyway. At midnight, certainly not. But anyway. <laughs> get out of my room! But in this, 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 we didn't say get out of my room. And so we started talking about this. It's kind of like what we see in our political world. Okay, now I'm not asserting or affirming that President Trump is some kind of a love vine here. But what's going on with him is a great analogy for what happens to Christians all the time, right? Rebecca's like, wait a minute, when I try to explain this to people, no matter what I say, I just keep saying the same thing and they just don't understand. And I'm like, that's right. She's like, it doesn't make any sense at all. You would think if they had any logic in their brain whatsoever, you could show them. And he, and, but I tell them and tell them and then they, they don't understand. I'm like, that's exactly what the Bible says they'll do. So, so Trump goes out and he, you know, our, our GDP, guys, is double like they normally measure the, the greatness of it by like decimal points but it's literally double what it was two years ago unemployment's lower than ever you know he goes into a country that everyone in the world's been worried about blowing us up and he gets them to blow up their nuclear weapons and what do they do guys they hate him right you might hate him too i don't know but people hate him no matter what he does they hate him right so there's kind of an analogy of what's going on. I'm not trying to say Trump's the love vine and they're all a bunch of hate weeds, but, but it's like that. It's like no matter what you do, no matter what you say, they hate you. Because do you know what they hate about Donald Trump? They hate about Donald Trump is that he stands for what you believe in many areas. And they hate it. They don't, the thought that something's going to be changed back to the way it was before, they're real. It, it, it wouldn't matter what he did. They're terrified of what's going to happen if another Supreme Court gets on there and abortion becomes illegal. That's all they're thinking about. They don't care about, they, they, you know, they're probably glad about the nuclear weapons, but they're not going to say a word. But they hate him because at his core, what he's going to do is going to make the country a place they're going to hate because they love all of these things, these nasty things. No matter what he does, 
Now your life should be no different. The world hates you just like they hated Jesus. They hated Him despite all the wonderful things He did and He said. Now, this is really, if you don't believe the story of Jesus is a real story, you're going to miss this. Could you imagine being the guy that walks around and when people are hungry, He multiplies food for them? And then they what? They hate it. A little boy is demon-possessed and he's mute and he's deaf and he touches the boy and the demon comes out and he is in a right mind. And what do they do, guys? They, they hate him. He raises a little girl from the dead and they hate him. There's a storm on the sea and people are going to die and he stops the storm and the people what? They hate him. He says stuff to them like, blessed are the peacemakers. And they hate him. He says, blessed are them when men revile you. Don't revile them, but do good unto them and love them. And they do what? They hate Him. This should be kind of confusing to you. It was confusing to them. Who would think if you came with all the right answers and with all the power and with all the goodness and holiness of God that men would, they would love you, right? I mean, guys, deepen your sinful heart somewhere I know I have it there's this desire that one day they would like me do you guys does anybody have this you know one day Luke would break out his guitar and he would sing the song and the whole world would rise up with lighters in their hands at night and they would sway back and forth and they would be like Luke 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 come on come on Luke tell me you know it's there People, you know, they tell me they like to hear my stories and I imagine one day they, the world, the people out there, you know, someone told me, they're like, you should do a TED Talk. And I'm like, yeah, I should do one of those. You know, they'd love that, wouldn't they? Don't you think it'd be a real popular TED Talk? Don't you think that people would love it? No, they probably wouldn't love it. They'd hate it. And I go, but it was a really good one. And it made a lot of sense. They hated him, despised him no matter what he did and they'll hate you no matter how much good you do too that's what Jesus is talking about here in John 15 now that that doesn't really sound very encouraging God's gonna make you love vines but just so you know they're gonna hate you for it now that's not the message of the popular evangelical church today John 15 we're gonna walk through it John 15 18 if everybody say if if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Note the contrast. Jesus had been talking about abiding in Him, about love and all that. And here in verse 18, He turns and starts talking about hate. He wants them to understand what they're facing. Calvin put it this way. He said, men who have never been to battle, imagine what it's going to be like. And when they see their enemy for what he really is, they completely transformed before your very eyes because they just didn't know he was preparing them for a battle you know it's one thing to say you're going to battle it's another thing to go to battle and here they are going to be in battle alone by themselves and they're going to like heal somebody's grandma they're going to deliver someone from demonic possession and people are going to want to kill them for it this is what your enemy is and he's trying to prepare them for it this would be confusing 
You would think that if you had the answer to the problem of sin and death, if you had the cure for illness and poverty, if you were God's representative for the new kingdom of God on earth, you would think that you would get a good reception. But what kind of reception did Jesus give? And he was the one who brought the message. He got hate. I'm sure the disciples thought the same thing. They were in their mind. They were bargaining. Which one's going to be on your right? Which one's going to be on your left? Who's going to be the most important one? They're talking about it because they're not understanding. He's like, he's like, yeah, you don't know what you're asking for. You guys are going to be on my right and left. But you don't have a clue what that means. Because when they hung me up on a cross, they're going to hang you up on the crosses. They're going to crucify you upside down. They're going to cut your head off. They're going to stone you. They're going to beat you to death. They're going to gnash on you with their teeth. Yeah, you're going to be on my right and left in the kingdom. Yeah, but it's going to be in suffering, not in glory at first. What was about to happen to Jesus was going to shock them. And because it was going to happen to them, it would be startling. He was getting ready to leave. Jesus was preparing them for not only what was going to happen to him, his crucifixion, he was preparing them for what was going to happen to them. The world hated me before it hated you, he said. They had hated Jesus from the first of his ministry, from his very good deeds. Hate sprang up like weeds in the newly plowed ground. In this passage, the word before here can be interpreted two different ways. As in the world hated me before it hated you. It has the meaning of above. They, they hate me and I'm more important than you. I'm better than you. And he was, right? I mean, did any of these disciples compare to Christ in his righteousness? Everybody say no. To Christ in his faith? No. And they hated him. He was going to deliver the best messages, do the most incredible things, and they were going to hate him. And you guys who aren't quite as good as me, they're going to be hated too. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not, because I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We've been chosen, guys. Amen? But what we've been chosen for in this life might not be what you're thinking. You know? David chose the five stones, you know, that he was going to throw. We were chosen by God for a work. And our work might be a bloody one. It might be a difficult one. You've seen this strange phenomenon. The world loves their own. They hate they have their stars who can do no wrong. This is why it's always strange when I see Christians loving the same people, the same music, the same movies, and the same clothing uh, that the world loves. This is when you all start feeling uncomfortable. It's time to go to sleep now. You don't want to hear what I'm getting ready to say. It's going to hurt you. You're not going to like it. Don't you think if we're God's love vines that we would have quite a bit of difference between us and then, and then what we love and what they love ought to be two different things. They hate you, right? But you love everything that they have. Huh. John later says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Right? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
Same guy that wrote these words that Jesus said wrote those words too, right? But you know what we do? We, we, we want them to like us and we like them and we love them and we think they're great and they hate us. And we like their stuff and we want to be like them. And I think there might be something wrong with that. Should we love what hate weeds love? This is where I really believe God's talking to our congregation. He's talking to me. I'm hearing this and I'm asking this question and I'm going, kind of gritting my teeth and going, I'm going to ask again and I'm going to be quiet for about 10 or 15 seconds. You ready? And I want you to think about it. Should we love what hate weeds love? God's word says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you unto myself. You know, we don't have unclean meats anymore. God's not worrying about the fabric that we weave together. What's that unclean thing? Maybe the things they love. Maybe the things they run after. Remember what Jesus said? He said, why... Why do you seek after the same things that the Gentiles seek after? Why do you worry about the same things that the Gentiles worry about? He said, you know, their lives are built around what? How much money they make? What kind of clothes they have? The good food they can eat? It says, after these things do the Gentiles seek. But it's not supposed to be so with you. Is it? Is the center of your world the job you get or the money you can put in the bank or the security you can provide for your family? Is that, is that your center? Do you build your life around things that are not the kingdom of God but are around the things that the world would build their life around? When we abide in Him, we will love different things than the world loves. We'll love who, everybody say who, we will love who and what God loves. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And if they kept my saying, they'll keep yours. When we are upset by and surprised by their hate for us, we're not thinking very clearly. We are the servants of Christ our King. And if they hate our King, certainly they will despise his subjects and his children. Maybe in your desire to not be hated, you started doing your best to sort of fly under their, and I actually did a typo, but I kind of liked it, under their hadar. We're trying to fly under their hadar. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know, like, you're getting ready to be with your relatives. You're getting ready to be around old school friends. You're getting ready to be with the world, and you're kind of like, is there any way we could fly under their hadar? Now let's, what, let's, let's talk about what we're going to talk about and we don't want to stir anything up. And, and, and maybe, honey, maybe you, could, maybe you could dress a little different so they don't think we're so weird. I don't know if anything's ever happened like this with you. You know, when you do this, they don't really see you as God's servants. You can kind of hide out. 
You know, you get to go be with them and, and hang out with them and they'll kind of leave you alone, Christy. They'll, you know, they're like, they're like, oh, we forgot. Maybe you think they're going to forget about you and leave you alone. This might work, but is this what God would have you to do? I don't think so. Now, speaking to Timothy, preparing for his work in the church at Ephesus, Paul said this. He says, yea, and all that will live godly. Everybody say, live godly. live godly. Now, what does that even mean? If you look it up, it means that the lifestyle that you live, what you do every day with your time, with your money, with your energy, your lifestyle, what, how, those that live godly, who build your life in such a way, those that will live godly in Christ Jesus will, everybody say, will, suffer persecution. Now, why? Everybody say, because they hate him. And when you live godly and you live like he does, they hate it. And the first thing that starts to happen is they start going, and you've seen it, guys. And I think we've kind of tried to figure out how to make it not happen. And I don't think this is right that we've done this. They start going, well, you think you're better than me. How many have had this happen to you when you tell them about something in your life that you've changed? You think you're better, you know. Just because I didn't do that, you, you must have think I was a bad mother. We were Christian people and we didn't do that. You know, and they, they don't like it, I'm telling you right now. And you might go, well, you know, who are you talking about? I don't know. Who hates it when you do godly things? Who are these people? I, I'm not trying to make determination on who these people are. But if they hate it and you did it out of love and beauty for God and they hate it, I don't know who they are. Jesus told the multitude in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they which are persecuted for what? For righteousness sake. What's righteousness? Right living. You get persecuted for living right. For putting your priorities in an order that makes them uncomfortable about the way that they lived. They don't like it. And they especially don't like it when you tell them you did it because you wanted to please God. Because you know what they're saying to him? Well, that means that if... They think I ought to have done it too. Right? Now, I'm not saying we should try to stir them up to hate us. What I'm saying is, is, that, is what Jesus was saying. If you are living like Him, if you are representing Him, if you are living godly and righteous like Him, they're going to hate you. And you might go, well, we try to, we try to do our best to, to like everybody and be at peace with everybody and all that be at peace with your neighbor the bible says to do this as much as it is within you but you don't make peace with the enemy by giving in to his demands we do not negotiate with terrorists amen now that's not in the bible but i like that we don't negotiate with terrorists hate weeds are terrorists they want you to live different because they hate it, 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 it brings out their sin. Jesus said if he hadn't come, they would have been okay with how they lived. But when he came and he showed them how to live, then there was a problem. Here he is doing good on the Sabbath, and they didn't like it. They were angry. Why? The things that Jesus does are wonderful, and they hate him. The healings that he does are wonderful, and they hate him. Because what he's doing is he's showing that he's more righteous than they are. 
Come on, guys. How many of you have been around people, and when you do something and it shows that you are more righteous than them, they seethe inside? You ever seen it? I've seen it. Oh, really? You goody two-shoe. You think you're better than me. You self-righteous hypocrite. And they're like, the foam coming out. It's like you're watching CNN about Donald Trump. I can't believe the American flag is with the North Korean flag. It makes me sick. And I'm thinking, it was making you sick before that we were going to blow us all up. But now you're, you're, you love the flag? Really? You're encouraging people to not even pledge allegiance, but now you love the flag? Really? There's no, there's no logic to their hate. Their hate comes out when they start looking like Jesus. That's when the hate comes out. The hate comes out. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I know. This is rough, guys. I'm telling you right now, I'm about to, be rough. I'm about to get more rough. Okay? Because God is speaking to our congregation. Do you guys want to be the same? Do you want to go down the road and, and go to compromise and fade out? Or do you want to be a church that stands built on the rock? Do you want to be built on the rock? You should listen to what God's saying to us today because He's saying it. If they don't hate you, you might want to consider your lifestyle a little bit more. Some of you remember what it was like when you first started serving the Lord. And I think we did some things wrong, but I think we did some things right too. And I think in giving up some of the things that we did wrong, I think we gave up some things right because we just didn't want to be hated. Most of the people around you, your current world, they threw a fit. Come on, remember it? What are you doing, Andy? What is wrong with you? Have you, have you lost your mind? I mean, seriously, Christina? I mean, is that what you have to do? I mean, come on. I mean, really, are you going to do that? Laura? Really? You got, I remember I remember going, and we had this thing, and we called it the freakometer, that we'd be like, man, somebody's family's really freaking out right now. They're like totally freaking out. They, they were worried about you. They thought you were in a cult, that you'd gone off the deep end, that you were too radical. Now, if you remember this, come on, do you remember it? The way that you talked and the things that you were doing, they were too much for them. It made them think that you thought you were better, right? I think some of this was true. <laughs> and I think I'm glad we've stopped some of it. I think we should have repented of it. But I also think that we've done this other thing we need to re-examine. I think that we've learned how to curb their hate, how to appease them, how not to identify so strong. We don't want to come across too strong. You know, let's, let's just ease it up a little bit. I think we've compromised. I think we may have scaled back our lives to scale back their hate and their persecution. It's not fun to be hated. Everybody say, it's not fun to be hated. I mean, I love it when people come to our church and they love to hear the way we sing and it sounds pretty and they go, you have really nice families. When you get right down to the nitty gritty about what it is that we're supposed to be doing, they don't like you so much and they think you're a bunch of weirdos because you are and you should be. After all, if we're God's love vine, shouldn't people love us, we might say? Jesus said, no, that's not how it's going to work. They won't love you. They did not love him. And if you are following him, they're not going to love you. 
Now today we need to be reminded how Jesus never reached an equilibrium with them. He never won the hate weeds over. They hated Him more. In fact, the further He traveled down His destiny, the more frenzied their hate became until they lied, falsely accused Him, and crucified Him. Isn't that His path? The hate for Him increased. They didn't just mature past acting stupid. And now they loved Him. I mean, if we live Christianity right, everyone should love us. They should really like us. They should admire us. We'll gain favor with God and man. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Have you learned how not to upset them? Have you given way to their relentless assaults? Have you negotiated with these terrorists, these hate weeds, and learned to fly under their hadar? As families here at Foundation Church, I think it might be time to evaluate this again. Have we become so tired of their false accusations that we've moved away from things that we used to think were lovely because they used them to accuse us with? I don't know about you, but I remember being so irritated that people said that our church had a rule about how women should dress. I wanted my wife to come to church in a pair of pants and I wanted her to cut her hair. Now you may not have reactions like this, but I do. Now I don't remember feeling any conviction that her hair was too long or that she was immodest in her modesty, but I got tired of their accusations and I wanted to shut their mouths. Now, you know, we don't have rules at our church about these things. This kind of thing might go on in your minds when you're visiting family or friends or at work. And I'm, I'm not trying to meddle and get into things that are up to you and your family, things the Bible doesn't tell us specifically about. But what I am asking you is ask yourself, what changes I've made? Have I made them for the glory of God to be more lovely, to be more like Him? Or have I just gotten tired of being weird and I want to be left alone a little bit. When we do things to appease the hate weeds, it quiets them down for a little while, for a little bit, right? But you'll find out they never shut up. They never stop until you give in to their demands and get in line. It's what liberals are doing successfully every day in our media. Trump is a racist, they cry. Trump hates women, they cry. Republicans don't care about the poor. And they know how to keep this up no matter what. It doesn't matter. I mean, Democrats are the, rep are the party of the Ku Klux Klan. But Republicans are racist. Democrats are the party that did the Jim Crow laws and that segregated the South. All Democrats. But yet, the Republicans are what? They are they're racist. Now, I'm not trying to talk politics. What I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter what you do. You can be the least racist, the most loving, but they're going to hate and they're going to use things, though, to get you to change your behavior. And that's what they're doing here. They'll just keep saying it. He's a racist. He's a racist. And they'll say to you, you know what? They're misogynists. They don't love women. They think women have no value. They think women aren't important. And you get mad hearing it because it's not true, right? They think women aren't as important as men. I mean, if you hear someone say that, Tim, how does it make you feel? Like, that's not what we believe. 
In Christ Jesus, there's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither Greek nor Jew. For in Christ, we are all one. I don't think women are less valuable than men. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, your church, it really puts women down. Christianity liberated women in the world and gave them value. The church, the body of Christ, is a woman. You know, the way that you guys put women down, you just want to drag women around by their hair and, and make them pregnant. And, you know, having all those children, you're forcing them into terrible... We're like, what are you talking about? And then we're like, well, you know what? We, we probably better straighten up. No, they're going to say that. And it's a lie from hell. But you know why they keep saying the lie, Steve? Because it works. We want to start, be, hey, let, let's show them how relevant we can be. We can look like them. We can do like them. We can, we'll show them. I still believe God's word teaches there should be an obvious distinction between men and women. There should be no difference between us. There should be a difference between us and the world. Between hate weeds and love vines. And I'm not trying to define that perfectly. What I'm saying is, is, have you gotten tired of their hate and changed your behavior? Or have you started to love what they love? Or have you made the changes in your life you made because you love God and you want to please Him? Which is it? We know God loves women as much as He does men. And He made them unique in their giftings and roles. Do we, do we hate women because we don't believe in women elders? No. We love women being what God called them to be. Men don't have to, women don't have to become men to be valuable, right? That's what Rebecca and I were talking about. She said, she said in feminism, she goes, it's not that women want to be equal with men. And you'll see this. I thought this was very perceptive. They want to say that women are what? They're better. So they keep saying equality, equality, equality. But what do they want? They want better. Minorities, it's the same thing. What are their, their, their mantra is, we want to be equal, 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 you bunch of scumbag white people. I'm saying, these messages are lies. You hate us, you hate us, you put us down. What's the goal? The goal is to put them where? Above. They're not, nobody wants equality. These are the, this is how the enemy does. He says, you hate women, you hate women, you hate women, because they're trying to get you to feel bad about loving women the way God says to love women. They try to make hateful, you know, I, I, I heard someone describing marriage this way, this feminist, it was in a recent thing, because it was funny, the, the political thing's gone crazy. The woman of the year is going to be a man. Did you guys hear about this? And this feminist is mad, and she's right about it. She's like, the best women are not men, okay? And they're like, but they identify as a woman. And they're like, and she go, he goes, it sounds like you're digging a deep hole. She goes, it's a hole I want to be in. She goes, if all the best women are men, then we've really messed ourselves up. Right? <laughs> guys, the woman who's lifted the most weight, guess what, guys? She, she was a man. But now, of course, she's a woman, right? And she's lifting the biggest weight of any woman. Isn't that great? So all the women's records are going to be broke by these new women that have to shave the hair on their chests. Right? It's insane. 
The world's insane. I'm sorry to give you that visual. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right, let's all reset. Hate weeds. Their logic is disgusting. Their ideas are insane. They, 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 they argue so much for what they want. And what they want is so insane that when they get it, they don't want it either. This is what hate weeds do. They're, they're doing it to you too. They're doing it to me. They despise us. We may want to ask ourselves if the changes we've made to change our appearance, to loosen our standards that came from convictions God put in our hearts and did we do these things for the wrong reasons and now for the glory of God and the love of His Word have we changed back to something more pleasing to God? Is this new thing you got going on in your house, did you do it because you thought it would please God more? These are rhetorical questions I think the answers to might be no. This is my fear because we're just tired of being called women-hitting misogynists. We just wanted to shut their mouths. We made a few changes. Have our changes made us more like the world or more like God's beautiful image of femininity and masculinity? More lovely in the spirit of holiness or more like the godless hate weeds who want us to cower to their mocking insults? Have we allowed our children to be unduly influenced by our ungodly relatives because over and over again they've said, you think you're better than us. You don't love me. If you loved me, you would let me take Johnny wherever I want to do whatever I want. Well, you know, I do want to be loving and I don't want to be... Is that why you do it? Did you do it because you all of a sudden now love them? Or did you just get tired of telling them, hey, I'm not really comfortable with that. Our daughter reminded us something we did, and I think she kind of misunderstood it. We had some neighbors walk over to us and go, man, we're so glad we moved in here. Our kids are going to be playing in the yard with your kids every day. We're just going to drop them off. They're going to be here all day. And I'm standing here in this moment realizing it's a pivotal moment for my life. I want to love my neighbor, Steve. I really do. But I, I, I homeschooled my kids for a reason, you know. And I looked at him. I said... No, that's not going to happen. I tried to follow it up as fast as I could. I would love to have you and your wife over. I would love to get to know you. I'd love to come over to your house and cook out and get to know each other. And then maybe we could spend some time together. Wouldn't that be great? But right now, I don't really know you. Is there something wrong with that? You can't let them tell you what you're going to do and how you're going to act and, and set the terms for what they're going to, how they're going to interact with your little children just because you're afraid of what they're going to think. We love our children, amen? Have we allowed activities and entertainment to re-enter our lives and our church for it's better or worse? I believe God would ask us have us ask ourselves these questions, okay? Speaking to the last phrase in verse 20, I'm going to move on. We can see antithesis more. He said, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. He had told them that hate weeds will hate them as they hated him, but 
Others, those that God had ordained to be Levites, those would keep His sayings. And those sayings of His disciples as well. You know, there's hope in this. He said, they're going to hate you, but then there's going to be those people who don't. That's who we're looking for, right? We go out there not, be, not reacting to what the hate weeds do to us, but we go out searching for and looking for those that when we speak the Word of God to, they begin to grow and they begin to flourish and they begin to turn toward us like the heliotrophic motion of plants toward the sun. They say, I want to be around those people. I want to hear what they say. I like the way they live. He says, if they kept my sayings, they'll keep yours. Those are the people you want to keep talking to. Those are the people you want to keep sharing with. If you cater to the hate weeds, you're going to end up in darkness and difficulty and suffering and you're going to be sorry for what you see going on in your home and your life. Those that don't listen to me will not listen to you, he said, but those that hate me are going to hate you. But there will be those who God is calling from darkness into His marvelous light and they will love you and they will hear you. It's for them you search. It is for them you speak clearly the words of Jesus. They will, God's sheep, they will hear God's voice and they will listen and obey. Those who have ears to hear and eyes to see because God has granted them sight and sound that they might hear and see the great salvation given to the people of God. Speak for them. Amen? As you recoil from the hate weeds, you may quit speaking and the people that we want to reach, we don't reach anymore because they don't hear us. Because we're not saying these things because we've curbed back, we've set them back. I know I've been preaching for a while. I'll try to wrap it up. I have a little bit more for you. All these things they will do unto you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me. The hate weeds hate God. They hate Jesus because mankind hates God. The fall of man, man deciding to do what he wanted instead of obeying God was a rejection of God. It seems as though Adam and Eve repented of their sin, but the consequences of what they did put all mankind in a state of rebellion against God. Their son Cain sinned when he killed his brother Abel, but Abel, but Cain did not repent. This is where we see the stark contrast in history. Those who want to obey God and those who refuse even to acknowledge Him. God and ultimately those who foolishly try to overpower God, this is what sin does. They hated Jesus because He represented God in the flesh. He spoke God's Word. They will hate you for the same reason. Hate reads will. They hate God's Word. They especially hate Jesus and they will hate you when you act like Jesus and you speak His words. You'll notice how people nearly... They, they don't have nearly the trouble when you talk about God in general. They will agree that there's a God, but when you say the name of Jesus, it's a bad deal. Get ready for some hate. I'm going to move past this. I'm going to do one more, read one more thing, and I'll end with this. Folks, this is teaching us about the depravity of man. Why else would someone hate you for doing so much good? Because they're dead in their sins, that's why. They can't help it. That's who they are. He says down in verse 25, I skip forward down to 25. Verse 25 he says, This has come to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. Everybody say, without cause. 
The law here is referring to Psalm 69. It would have been the same as saying written in the law or written in the Bible. But he says written in their law. I'm going to close reading some of Psalm 69 because David was in the same position. Maybe you can sort of be with him for a minute. Psalm 69, Save me, O God, for waters are come into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come in deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dry and my eyes fail while I wait for God. He was in a bad trouble. Could have been that time he was in the cave longing for a drink of water. Remember that? Running from Saul. They don't know the time. This psalm isn't assigned to a time, but it could have been then. He said in verse 4, he said, They hate me without a cause. They that hate me without cause are more than the numbers of my hair on my head. They want to destroy me. They bring my enemies wrongfully. Oh God, you know my foolishness. You know my sins. They're not hid from thee. Let them that wait on thee, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for thy sake I have borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Jesus quotes from this psalm several times. Just like here, he's quoting. Remember when he turned over the tables, what did he say? The zeal of thine house. He's quoting David. When I wept and chastised my soul with fasting, it was to my own reproach. I made sackcloth my garment and I became a proverb to them and they said in the gate speak against me and I was a song for the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me. Let, my, let me hear the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of thine hand. Deliver me out of the mire and let not me to sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water overflow me. Folks, it ought to be our prayer today not to be overflowed by the hate of the world and be affected by it and be changed by that. Amen? We should be drawn higher to the beauty of Christ, not out of fear for them. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Hide not your face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Reproach hath broken my heart. I am full of heaviness, and I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. I looked for comforters, but I found none. They gave me gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. We know that's what happened to Christ, right? He's talking about hatefulness beyond imagination. Not only was Jesus dying on the cross, but they thought it would be a little bit fun to give Him something disgusting. When you're, when you're thirsty, you don't give people vinegar to drink. I did a whole study on this. I may do a podcast on it because it was interesting. Gall and vinegar... You know, gall is from the poppy plant where they make opium from. And it means bitter. And they put this bitterness in vinegar. Vinegar is just bad wine that's gone bad and it's super rough tasting. 
You see, the world really hates you. Not only, they don't just want to see you die, they want to torture you. They want you to cry out. They, in the midst, I mean, could you imagine a dying man dying of thirst? Hey, this will be fun. Let's give him a little vinegar. This is the vitriol of the world against us, folks. They never stop yelling at him. Even the, even the thief on the cross, in his hatred, mocked and yelled at him, Save yourself! Come on! The world hates us. We should remember that and not worry about what they have to say. And we should be longing to hear the voice of our Savior that calls us to a life of beauty and of holiness. And we don't recoil from their insults and their hate and try to appease them and make them like us. They're not going to like us. Amen? If the world hate you, it said in our text, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, because I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word of the Lord that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. And if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours. Let us pray. What a powerful message for us, Lord. I feel very challenged in my home. I wonder if some of the things that I've allowed into my home have been allowed because of the hate weeds. Lord, I feel a call personally to a higher standard of holiness. I feel conviction for loving the things of this world and loving what they love. I hope there are others because I know that you're speaking to me that way. Maybe you're speaking to them too. Help us, Lord, to love what you love. Help us to come out from the world. Help us to long after you. Help us to care less what the hate weeds think. In Christ's name we pray. And all of our church said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.